Does truth exist? Because you have faith, does that make this book true? Does God exist? So when someone says there is no truth, if you apply the claim to itself, what should you say? Is that true? They don't think Christianity is true. They're talked out of it. You know why they're talked out of it? Because they've never been talked into it. Cross-examining skeptical and atheistic views. Welcome to Cross-Examine with Dr. Frank Turek. I just spoke last week at a Christian high school here in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. There were about a little over 300 uh, high school students at a chapel. Had about 40 minutes with them, went through the basics of I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. But some of the parents showed up as well. And while the students had to go to another class, the parents hung around and had some questions. And one of the questions was, how do you get young people to care about Christianity? They're so distracted. They've got so many other priorities. How can I even get my own son, my own daughter to care? It's the old apathy question. I said, look. If I had the answer to apathy, first of all, I'd be a billionaire, right? I mean, it's, it's really hard to get people interested sometimes, quite honestly. In fact, we had a question once at our seminary, Southern Evangelical Seminary. We said, hey, what's the greatest problem in America today? Is it ignorance or apathy? And one student said, I don't know and I don't care. Yeah, it's really hard to get people to care. And one, I know this is going to sound cliche, but I think it's true. People don't know how much, or let me put it another way. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And that goes, that's, that's true for your own kids, okay? If, if they can't sense that you really care about them, they don't care what you know. In fact, they may rebel against your position because you don't care about them enough. And so I really think one of the answers to that is to ensure that you get involved in their lives and that you get involved in what they care about and what some of the issues they're struggling with. I know many parents, in fact, this is one of my answers to one of the parents that asked this. Uh, I, I said, I know many parents that are mortified to have conversations with their kids, whether it's about sex, drugs, transgender issues, or even their their, their kids' own doubts about Christianity. They're mortified. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I actually said this to the lady who asked the question. I said, why would you get all tense and nervous about talking to your kids about this? I mean, if you, if you freak out when they bring issues like that up or you think you have to have some big talk about some issue and everybody's real tense, how likely are your own kids to come to you for advice if you're tense about these issues all the time, don't tell mom, she'll freak out. No. By the way, why would you dread conversations with your kids about sex, doubts, or whatever? Would you dread it because you're afraid you might not know the answer? Your own ignorance? If you don't know the answer, that's not a problem. It's an opportunity. You just tell your kid, you know, that's a great question. Let's research it together. You don't have to know everything in order to have a conversation with somebody, especially your own kid. You could say, you know, I've never thought of it. It's a great question. Why don't we look into it? I mean, Josh McDowell, as you know, one of the top apologists of our age. He's been around a long time. Uh, his son, Sean, who I just had on this program a couple of weeks ago, 
uh, at one point when he was a young man, came to his father and said, you know, Dad, I, uh, I don't know if I believe what you believe. I don't even know if I, if I believe that Christianity is true. Now, a lot of parents would freak out and go, what? Especially if you're a world-renowned apologist. Hey, kid, don't let this get out, you know? But that's not jo- that wasn't Josh's response. If you know Josh, he said something like this. Sean, that's great because your faith or my faith can't be your faith. You're going to have to investigate these issues for yourself. You just can't inherit what I believe. You've got to look into it for yourself and discover what's true. And uh, he said to Sean, he said, Sean, just promise me one thing, that you will follow the truth wherever it leads. And Sean said, I will, Dad. And Josh said, great. Why don't we look into it together? Why don't we investigate the claims of Christianity together? And they went through it. And as you know, Sean is now a Ph.D., He has his Ph.D. and he's teaching apologetics at Biola. But the worst thing you can do as a parent or a youth pastor or just a mentor is to freak out when some kid brings up an issue and you don't know the answer to it or brings up an issue and and you think he shouldn't have doubts. No, look, everybody has doubts. Everybody has questions. And, and, and you ought to be able to freely talk about these issues and freely talk about the questions. If you freak out, people are going to be repelled by you and they're going to go elsewhere for advice. And that's a recipe for disaster, actually. In fact, uh, I don't know, a few months ago, I, uh, I did a, a program on Katy Perry. And I'm no big follower of pop culture, but most of you know Katy Perry, a pop singer, who was brought up in a Christian home, by the way. Her father was a, um, a Pentecostal pastor, And in this interview that she had on YouTube, a very revealing interview with a a counselor, she said, in my house, I was told if I had a question about Christianity or doubts, I shouldn't even ask the question. You shouldn't have doubts. Well, that just propelled her away from Christianity. Maybe I should say repelled her away from Christianity into the world. The worst thing you can do is say, don't ask questions or just believe have some interactions. Bring up these issues. My wife has been great about that. My wife would bring up any issue with any of our sons, whether it had to do with sex or homosexuality or doubts about Christianity. I mean, I would too, but she was with them more through homeschooling them, at least through about the eighth grade. Then they went off to high school. Uh, Never had any trouble talking to them. Brought issues up. And by the way, you can do this seamlessly, parents, if you're listening to this, or youth pastors. You don't have to break out the Bible and go into a sermon every time you want to make a point to your kid. You can just play spot the lie. What's spot the lie? You could be watching a TV show, and you see something on TV, and it's a premarital sex with no negative consequences. Everybody's happy. Nobody's ever hurt. This is all great. You could turn to your kid and say, hey, look what's going on here. What's the lie in this? Are they telling you the whole truth here? No, of course they're not. So you don't have to turn everything into a sermon. You can just play spot the lie. It's just a a fun way of evaluating things going on around you in a a non-offensive way or a non-eye-rolling way that your kid's going to, oh, here comes the Bible again, you know. <laughs> I mean, you can teach biblical principles without even ever opening the Bible. Now, obviously, don't get me wrong, you, you, 
you should do devotions with your kids. You should do scripture memory with your kids, but you don't have to break out the Bible for every moral point or to evaluate the culture. You can just talk about it by playing spot the lie. Um, now, here's one thing that I think, and, and we're going to get into this in great depth here and right after the first break uh, with my friend Tim Ramsey. I'll tell you about him in, uh, on the other side of the break. But there's another thing that you need to say to young people who may, they may come home one day and say, hey, mom, dad, I, I'm gay. I'm struggling with this. Or, or I, I've, I've come out and I've always been gay and I, 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 want, I want to go down this road. Don't freak out. No matter what your kid says to you, here's what you say to them. There's nothing you can do that will make me stop loving you. There's nothing you can do that will make me stop loving you. Now, love always protects, as Paul says in Romans 13, which means that if I truly love you, I'm going to try and protect you, and I'm going to try and prevent you from doing things that are going to hurt you and hurt others. So you may say that you want to go down this path, but... I'm going to do what I can to dissuade you from doing that. And that's because I love you. If I didn't love you, I'd say, who cares? Do whatever you want. doesn't matter. So love requires you to try and protect your children. But don't freak out. Say there's nothing that you can do that will make me stop loving you. Now, how can you get your kids interested in Christianity and interested in the kingdom that's what we're going to talk about for the rest of the program. And I have a dynamic guest on with me. His name is Tim Ramsey. I'll tell you all about him right after the break. We'll bring him on. You're not going to want to miss the rest of this program. You're listening to Cross Examined with Frank Turek on the American Family Radio Network website, crossexamined.org. Cross Examined with a D on the end of it.org. We're back in two. If you're low on the FM dial looking for national public radio, go no further. We're actually going to tell you the truth here. That's our intent anyway. I can guarantee you're not going to hear this on NPR. You're listening to Cross Examined with Frank Turek on the American Family Radio Network website, crossexamined.org. The question we're dealing with today is how do you get young people, say young people in a youth group, to actually get engaged in advancing the kingdom of God, to actually become disciples of Christ. How do you get them to care about Christianity? Well, my guest today knows a few things about how to do that. His name is Tim Ramsey. He's a husband. He's the father of six, and he's been a 34-year veteran of student ministry. He's also been an itinerant speaker. He's an author. He's been contributing editor to various youth ministry magazines and publications. He's currently serving as the pastor of student ministries at Fellowship of Huntsville Church in Huntsville, Texas, where he's been serving for 25 years. He's been doing a bunch of other stuff. He's been to CIA several times with with our ministry, crossexamine.org. He's hosted me down at uh, Sam Houston State a number of times, and he always does a great job of getting the entire community down there to support the event it's always a, a full event, so it's great having my friend Tim Ramsey on. Tim, how you doing? Doing good, buddy. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. The new book, and it's a short book that's packed with great ideas that will help you get your youth engaged, is called Give Them the Keys, Making a Youth Ministry a Youth's Ministry. So it's by Tim Ramsey, R-A-M-S-E-Y. You're going to want to get the book's 101 pages, folks. You can read it in a few hours. 
It's going to give you a lot of great ideas. Now, Tim, first of all, you always got to ask an author, why did you write this book? What's the point here? Well, I was uh, up in Dallas at a student ministry or student minister get-together, and uh, a friend of mine who was a nationally known uh, speaker, and he does a lot of other things, sat down and he said, hey, you know, this, this situation that we see right now with students leaving the church, he said, we're just trying to figure out you know, how do, we, how do we stop the leaking? How do we stop them running away? And he said, what's, what's working at your church? And so I began to just unfold to him kind of our ministry model, what we do with turning the ministry over to the students. And he was really intrigued by it, and he just stopped and he said, you know what, you need to write a book about that. Hmm. And uh, I never thought that I would write a book, just simply because of time, uh, but uh, sat down started putting pen to paper, and really it was a great journey for me in learning to, uh, you know, to examine what I do here. And uh, it's not just the ministry model, it's just what we do overall to help prepare students for when they do exit, you know, their high school years, that uh, they are prepared to stand up for what they believe, they know why they believe it, and they know that they are trained uh, to, to go out and to engage in ministry. It's not just, you know, they don't sit back and wait for it. They go out there and look for it. Now, your goal, obviously, is to ensure that they remain Christians and committed Christians who are advancing the kingdom long after they leave you in youth ministry. So the yeah. question is, how do you go about doing that? How do you give them ownership? You say, give them the keys. That kind of sounds dangerous, Tim. Like, you're going to give some 15-year-old kid the keys to the ministry? What do you mean by that? <laughs> yeah, some, let me just say this. It, it is never going to be a... Uh, a ministry model where you won't have your times of going, okay, do I need to go update my resume or not? <laughs> um, you, know, you, you turn the ownership over to them. Uh, you, you let them run with it, but you make sure that you've got good accountability in place that um, you never want to hold back their enthusiasm. You want to release it, but you have to make sure you guide it the right direction. Uh, we've, had, we've got one of our ministry teams as a recreation team, and um, there's been a few games that we played that I thought, wow, uh, I do need to pick out a different profession, uh, but they turned out great. So it's, it's trusting them, it's training them, it's helping them understand their purpose uh, in being a Christian. You, you know, you don't just sit on the sidelines, God created you for a purpose, go do that. And uh, there are students that sometimes jump into a ministry that uh, they later find out that really wasn't their, their strength. And they'll finish out their commitment and then maybe move to a different ministry after that. But um, you train them, you help them find out where their gifting is, where their heartbeat is, and uh, then encourage them to go chase it. Now, on page six, and the book is called Give Them the Keys by Tim Ramsey, you have a fourfold approach in order to do this. Why don't we just go through those so people can get an overview? And obviously, the details are in the book, but they can get an overview of what you mean by giving the students the keys, giving them ownership so they actually are participants in the kingdom rather than just observers in a classroom. Why don't we just go through this? What's the first one? Okay. First one is, you know, teach a student to look at their life that it's important to the kingdom picture overall and for the here and now. Uh, it's, you know, I, I hear people say sometimes to students, you know, you're the future church. Uh, I was speaking at a youth camp in North Dakota, and uh, right before I got to speak, this lady stood up, one of the sponsors, and just said, you know, you need to understand you're the future church. And so when I got up on stage to speak, I, I basically addressed that. I said, can I just 
go a little bit further what was said here. And I said, you are the church now. Mm-hmm. And I said, I think what, um, you know, I pointed to the lady that had uh, just spoken. I said, I think what she's trying to say is one day you'll be, you know, running the church. You'll be the ones making all the decisions. Um, but you can make decisions now. And that affects your world. And so don't sit back. And so I went ahead and changed my message that night and spoke specifically on that. And when I was done that night, uh, I had this long line of students that wanted to talk, and youth pastors that wanted to talk about what does it mean, how does it look. And, uh, and what was really just uh, mind-boggling to me was so many of the, the students had never even thought this, that they needed to be engaged in it now as opposed to waiting till they, you know, reach their, what, quote-unquote, uh, adulthood. So you helping know, them to understand, listen, get engaged now, don't wait, and it, no matter what it is, no matter how small you may think it is or how big it is, get in there. That's kind of one of the same concepts that both Brett Kunkel and Jay Warner Wallace and uh, Sean McDowell take when they take their students to Berkeley or one of these schools. They want them to minister to people now. They don't just want to teach them, they want to train them. And it sounds like you're trying to do that as well. You're training them to actually live the Christian life, not just in the future, but right now, to be part of the kingdom. Right. Absolutely. Now, the second part, after you teach them to look at his or her life and have them be a part of the kingdom picture now, what's the second part of this? Well, you want to train them. You want to make sure they understand uh, that you know, when they step into uh, their ministry that they are not sitting there in, in, in doubt. They're not sitting there going, okay, I don't know if I can do this. Now, in all honesty, they're still going to have some of that. Right. Uh, just like, can I do this? No one's ever really trained me to do this. You know, it's like, uh, you know, when I've taught my kids how to drive a car. Uh, and the first time we get on the road together, you know, it's a, it's a pretty scary event for both parties. You know, That's for, right. Yeah, for me sitting in the, you know, passenger seat and watching them drive. Pressing the, the airless brake, right. <laughs> yeah, I've worn my carpet out on that passenger uh, side, right. pushing the floor down. After six kids, how many are driving now? Uh, we've got, uh, let's see, well, actually, I've got my last one now with his learner's permit. Oh, oh gee. So, yeah, yeah, and it explains why I've got a little bit more gray in my in my hair, but, uh, and I've got a lot of fingernail marks in the passenger door, too. But That's right. But the, uh, the, the training of them is, they're going to be apprehensive. But you, you know, you make sure that you encourage them to, to step out there and to do it and not to ever be afraid to ask questions or never be afraid to admit you don't know the answer. Mm-hmm. And so we spend time training them. We uh, took our students this past summer, our new leaders, took them on a retreat uh, down to South Padre. We spent four days down there just uh, teaching and learning and talking and just, you know, uh, you know, to praying over each other, getting ready for this year. And so when they came back, you know, they hit the ground running because they felt like they were ready to do what was, you know, now put in their charge to do. And uh, anyway, it's just, it's, uh, you know, such a fun time to, for me, to see when that light switch comes on, when they've been trained and they've been equipped to be turned loose to see what they do with it. Good. So, okay. So, first part is to let them be a part of the kingdom picture. Now, then you got to train them. What's the third part? Well, you got to release them. You know, it's What's that, that time mean? where uh, you know, first time that I, I let my one of my children drive down the driveway and leave on their own, and I'm not in the car with them. Uh-huh. You know, I've got to trust that the uh, training is you know been sufficient. They're 
they're, they're going to be safe. They're going to be able to do it. So we, same thing we have to do. We have to release our students. Okay, what's your plan? What are you wanting to do? All right, go do it. And uh, watch it. In fact, I love when we do our retreat, our training retreat, we sit around in one of our, our sessions and we just talk about, you know, dream. And, um, and we encourage them to chase those dreams. Now, some of the dreams that get thrown out there are pretty, pretty big, but we still encourage them to go for it and not to, uh, you know, talk themselves off the ledge, if you will, but just, just go for it. And so there comes a time that you finally release it. And for us, the release date is we do a, what was called a ministry fair, and it's done right before school starts in August. And uh, we, I will do a message that night on, you know, what it means to serve and our calling to serve. And each of our ministry teams uh, has set up a booth in, uh, in our student center. And then I release the kids to go around, our, you know, rest of our students to go around and visit those booths, talk about the different ministries, and then kids can sign up and uh, be a part of those ministry teams. But it's so much fun for me to walk around and listen to these student leaders talk about their ministry with, you know, such excitement, because they realize at this moment, you know, the keys have been given to them. It's time for you to run with it. And uh, it's just, uh, it's a, it, that night is just a really special night, and then to see what starts happening right after that. Give us an example of what a youth in your ministry right now or in your group is currently doing for his or her ministry. What would be an example of that? Well, uh, one of our teams is uh, the mission team, uh, and um, we have a young lady named Karis that's leading that up who has just taken the world by storm. Um, I mean, she has got, for this month, she's got a food drive planned uh, for the safe house here in town, safe houses for uh, battered and abused women. Um, And so she's doing a food drive um, for them. Uh, Last month, she had them over to her house to uh, put together medical packages for Voice of the Martyrs to send off. Wow. Um, She also heads up, once a month, our... Youth group on a Wednesday night will take up an offering, and uh, we call it a Coke box offering. And it's, you know, students for one week, they're challenged to not spend money on movies or, you know, going out to eat or just save all that money, bring it in, and, you know, put it in the Coke box. And then we send it to different ministries. Uh, in fact, New York Apologetics was a ministry focus last year for us. Wow. Um, but uh, she is out there just, I mean, doing it to it. She's got a board. In our youth room, we have a, a section uh, set up in there for each ministry team to advertise what's going on. And she is picking a country, one a month, for us to uh, begin to uh, pray for and uh, do things for. So she's really right. doing a great job. All right. Hold the thought, Tim. We're going to come back with Tim Ramsey, his new book, Give Them the Keys. How do you get students engaged in Christianity, you actually give them the keys to do ministry. More with Tim right after the break. Don't go away. Back in two. You want your kid to get excited about Christianity? Get them in the game. Give them the keys to a ministry, a ministry that they want to participate in, maybe even lead. That's what my friend Tim Ramsey will show you how to do in his new book, Give Them the Keys, a short book, 101 pages, but packed with ideas on how to get kids excited, how to get kids involved. They don't, you don't just want to have them sit in a, in a youth group and get talked to all the time. You want them to actually live the Christian life now and advance the kingdom. It's not just an event-oriented kind of ministry. 
it's a ministry that gets people to become disciples of Christ while they're in junior high, while they're in high, while they're in high school. And my friend Tim Ramsey can help you do that. His new book, Give Them the Keys. Now, Tim, before the break, we talked about the four-fold uh, approach to your ministry. The first is to teach the student. They got to be an important part of the kingdom now. Then you train them. That's the second part. The third part is to release students to minister in their own ministries. Before we go to the fourth part, how do they identify what ministry they want to be a part of? Is there some sort of test you go through or questionnaire? How do they know? Well, they have to apply. Uh, We have an application and, um, you know, basically they give us their their story. You know, uh, when you became a Christian, kind of what do they think that uh, the Christian life is supposed to be? Uh, then they kind of identify their strengths uh, throughout that application. They turn it in, and then um, myself and my uh, youth assistant, Adam, we go through all of the applications, we, we pray over them, and then we come down to the ones that um, we're going to actually allow to take over certain ministries. Now, we have 13 ministries uh, ministry teams this year. We're actually running 10 of them. Uh, we have uh, other ones just kind of sitting idle this year. Uh, we had a couple that applied for those that are sitting idle. We just kind of felt like they weren't quite quite ready yet. So we uh, just kind of put those into a time that we're, we're discipling them. We're, uh, you know, and it's one of those things where we wanted to make sure that we were encouraging to them as well. Listen, it's not that we don't think you can succeed. We just think that you would struggle more than, you know, we think that you need to go through right now. So we're training those, but the other ones have to go through the application. They're accepted, and then we bring them in and speak to them to them one on one, and uh, then tell them what's expected. In fact, on the application, uh, there is a basically just written out what's expected, and the student has to sign it, and their parents have to sign it, so the parents understand what their child is stepping into. Wow! All right. So the first part again, get them involved in the sense that they are an important part of the kingdom now. Point two is to train and equip them to be a part of at least one specific ministry. Third, release the students to minister in their own ministries. Number four is what, Tim? Well, when these students get released, they, as I said a minute ago, there's this excitement that takes over. They begin to invite their friends in to come in to either be a part of their ministry or for them just to come in and see what they're doing. By them reaching out, what's taking place is they're bringing their peers in, giving us a chance to build a relationship with them, hopefully through what you know God will do with them through this new relationship. They get plugged in, and eventually, possibly, they will take over a ministry. Uh, so the idea is, you know, for them, I, I can't walk the campuses of our school. You know, I can't go over to the public school here in Huntsville and just... Uh, hang out and invite kids to church, but my students can. They're there. And if they've got something they're excited about, they are more apt to reach out to that, to that friend and say, hey, come in and be a part of this. In fact, you know, my son, years ago, my oldest, um, he started a band and uh, when he was, you know, 16 years old. And that band with all his buddies, well, when they started, when I allowed them to start playing on Wednesday night, man, we started having kids coming in in droves. And through building relationships with those students, we began to see them have the opportunity to get plugged in as well. Now, this ministry model, 
this four-step model that you go through in the book. Again, the book is called Give Them the Keys, Tim Ramsey, R-A-M-S-E-Y. How did this come about, Tim? Did you just think of this yourself? Or, I mean, where did this come from? Well, you know, I I mentioned my son Chris there a second ago. That is actually the starting point. That's when the light came on. When I saw, you know, this this group of four guys who uh, basically, at that time, you know, I did give them the keys. I mean, they would spend the night up here at the church, and um, they would practice and practice and practice, and there was a lot of rules that they had to follow, and, uh, you know, they made sure that nobody but those four were here. But anyway, because of their devotion to it and then their new excitement, it began to really just kind of permeate throughout their peer groups. And at that time, they started that that group, uh, and they were playing together, we were probably on a Wednesday night service, we were probably running about 25 to 30 kids. Within two months, a little over two months of me turning the worship ministry over to them, we were suddenly running 127 kids on average. On wow. How many, how, many, how many people go to the church itself that you're part of? Well, at this time, we probably run about five or 600 people at the uh-huh. church. At that time, we were probably running... Oh, probably between 275 and 325. So you had, say, 300 people in the church, and yet you had like 120 people in the youth ministry. Because yeah, exactly. the youth are bringing people from outside the church into the church with, they're, they're, I guess they're inviting their friends, and they're just, they're just coming. Even their parents might not even go there. They might not even go to that church, but they're going to the youth ministry. Right, Be- right. And through these new relationships, now we were able to reach into the homes introduce ourselves and say, you know, hey, we're so glad that, you know, your, your son or daughter's coming, and if there's anything that we can do as a church to ever uh, help you guys out, let us know. And so, uh, in fact, my pastor years ago uh, came into my office and said, hey, I want you to listen to this, and he handed me a CD, and it was uh, Dr. Ed Young from Second Baptist Church in Houston, and he was speaking on the importance of youth and children's ministry and how that's how he built Second Baptist to be the size that it was or how you know, the device that God used. In loving these kids, it gave them the opportunity to reach into the homes. And so CF just came in, my pastor came in, handed me that CD and said, you know, what do you think of this? And then he got fully behind it and we jumped on it. And so uh, we started pouring a lot of effort into youth ministry. And it was right, you know, around that time that the band started and it opened up this, I mean, it was just like this light came on going, where's this been my entire ministry career? Uh, and then we started being able to reach into the homes, and we started seeing these families come into the church because their student or their child started coming to the youth ministry because of a student leader that reached out to them. The book is called Give Them the Keys, Making a Youth Ministry a Youth's Ministry by my friend Tim Ramsey. He's my guest today. Friends, you can see the key to this is ownership. Ownership is important. Let me ask you guys a question. When was the last time you washed a rental car? Yeah, you never have. Why? Because it's not yours, right? You don't care about it as much. You're not as involved in it as much. If you're living in an apartment right now, when was the last time you did structural changes to that apartment or you fixed something that needed to be fixed? Well, you might have done it just for your own convenience, but you're not as concerned about it if you don't own it. If you own it, you're going to be more concerned about it. You're going to be more involved. You're going to be more committed. And this is what Tim is showing you how to do with your own kids. Get them involved in ministry. It's not, in fact, that's the whole purpose of the church, friends. Think about this. This is Ephesians chapter 4. 
The purpose of the church is to equip the saints to do ministry. In addition to worship God, obviously, equip the saints to do ministry. If the youth pastor's doing everything or the pastor's doing everything, those people are not equipping the people in the church to do ministry. Because in Christianity, there are no priests. We're all priests. Uh, I, I guess I said that wrong. Everybody's a priest. I mean, there are no, there's no priestly class and lay class. Everybody is supposed to be a priest. And this is what Tim is trying to help your kids do from a very, very young age to give them the keys to make the youth ministry their own ministry with proper supervision. And in this, by, by the way, Tim, in this book, you talk about the kind of volunteers that you tend to get. And maybe you can say a word, a word or two about that because you've got five different types of volunteers that you tend to get. I guess these are, these are, uh, these are parent volunteers. Is that right? Yeah, typically parent volunteers. And I even have some uh, this year that uh, don't even have kids in the youth group. They just and, uh, and they they're helping youth out and they want to come in and pour out, you know, pour into them. So you got the overreacher, the last minute volunteer, the vapor volunteer, the armchair quarterback, and the tent maker. Which one do you want to talk about? We can't talk about them all. <laughs> you have to get the book for that, friends. But these are the kind of volunteers you tend to get for the ministry. Which one do you want to talk about? Well, you've got uh, all of these that you just listed. Uh, of course, Tent Maker is, you know, basically based off of Paul. You know, right. he did whatever was necessary to, you know, be able to pour into the kingdom. All of these have potential, uh, but you have to be able to identify them quickly, otherwise it becomes a wet blanket on the fire very quickly. Uh, in fact, I, sometimes students begin, I begin to see their, their ministry begin to just kind of die down, and a lot of times it is contingent upon who their ministry coach is. And okay. if they happen to fit into one of the top four categories, uh, then we have to step in and try and help either correct that or remove them. You know, so we can get somebody else in that can can push in the right direction. But the armchair quarterback is probably the one I, I that uh, it just kind of pops in my head. I want to talk about real quick is, you know, they're the guys who just kind of sit there and shout orders, but never actually jump in. You know, we watch football <laughs> on Saturdays and Sundays, and right. we sit there and we can critique everything the quarterback is doing wrong, everything the coach is doing wrong, but we're not the one doing it. And uh, so, you know, when you, those guys just kind of sit in the armchairs and critique unfairly a lot of times, uh, we want to just make sure that we sit them down, explain, you know, listen, what we brought you in for uh, was to encourage them to make sure that you're teaching them. Uh, you, know, you know, another thing is this. We want to make sure that they don't step in and begin to run the ministry. Uh, that's basically your overreacher, the one who kind of comes in and says, this is mine you're doing it wrong, well, then that'll just kill it for the student. So you've got to make sure that you, you know, you vet your, your uh, ministry coaches very well, and you've got to make sure that you continue to encourage them uh, as they go through it, because we're, we're so busy today. Uh, and for people to give up time to invest in something, you have to understand the worth of it. And if you can get your coaches to understand the worth of it, maybe they are in the top four there but if they can understand the worth of it, they can begin to catch the vision and be willing to change to work towards becoming a tent maker and leave the category that they were originally in. How do you recruit students so they feel like they can take a ministry on? And that's what we're going to talk about in the following segment. In the next segment, we're talking to Tim Ramsey. His new book is Give Them the Keys. 
And this is the way you can get young people engaged, get out of their apathy about Christianity, but get them in the game. And this book's only 101 pages, ladies and gentlemen. I've endorsed it. Sean McDowell has. Uh, so has Jay Warner Wallace and others. You want to pick it up. Brand new book just came out on November 20th. Uh, Give Them the Keys, Making a Youth Ministry a Youth Ministry Ministry by Tim D. Ramsey, ladies and gentlemen, the great Tim Ramsey, great youth pastor. You need to get the book. I'm Frank Turek. Back in just two minutes. Don't go away. Do you want to learn theology and apologetics from some of the best instructors in the world? You can now. Go to crossexamine.org. Click on Online Courses. Uh, We're just finishing up a course right now with Dr. Dan Wallace. Yes, the Dan Wallace from Dallas Theological Seminary on textual criticism, which really means textual research. How do we know what the New Testament documents uh, say? How do we reconstruct them? That's what Dan has been talking about. We've had Gary Habermas on for the resurrection of Jesus. We've got several courses coming up in the spring you're going to want to be a part of. In fact, we're going to do Stealing from God. I'll be a part of that, obviously. Uh, And uh, you can take these courses right from the comfort of your own home, and you can interact with us live via Zoom, which is an amazing video conferencing system. And uh, you can see everybody in the class, and they can see you, and you can talk talk to one another. You can ask us questions. Uh, You can interact with other students. That's the beauty of it. It's a video-based course, so you'll watch videos, but then you'll come on live to ask questions of the instructors. So where else are you going to get an opportunity to ask Dr. Dan Wallace a question or Gary Habermas a question or uh, uh, Craig Blomberg? We're hoping to get him on here soon from Denver uh, Seminary. We've got several courses that are going to be coming up. You're going to want to check it out. Go to resources on crossexamine.org. Click on resources. You'll see online courses there. Uh, and uh, it'll take you over to reasonu.com, which has all these courses on it. And uh, you're going to want to check that out and be a part of it. And by the way, that's a good Christmas gift to give somebody. You can give somebody the gift of a course, an online course. Think about that. Also, I want to mention that this April we're going back to Israel. And we're going to be there with my friend uh, Eli Shukran, who is the world-renowned archaeologist who excavated most of the city of David and actually discovered the Pool of Siloam where Jesus healed a blind man in John chapter 9. Ellie will take us there, and he has the keys. Talk about give them the keys. We're talking about Tim Ramsey's book, Give Him the Keys Today. Well, Ellie Shukran has the keys to archaeological sites that only he has access to. He literally has the keys. He will take us into places you can't go with with anybody else, with any other tour guide. So this is going to be a small group. We're only taking one bus. I've taken two buses before. I don't like it. I want to keep it to one bus. So you better sign up soon if you want to be a part of the Israel trip. April, I want to say 6th to the 17th, something like that. You can go to our website, find out more about that. The VIP tour of Israel. We call it VIP because, A, you're with Eli Shukran, and, B, we're staying at the best hotels we can get. Because this is not walk where Jesus walked. This is run where Jesus walked. You want to see so much. By the time the day's over, you're tired. You want to stay in a nice hotel. We're going to stay there. All right, back to my friend Tim Ramsey and the new book, Give Them the Keys, Making a Youth Ministry a Youth Ministry. He's actually giving them ownership of ministry within the youth group. Tim, how do you recruit students to do that? You have a couple of chapters on that in the book. Yeah, there's two folds to this. One is, you want to recruit your student leaders, and then you want to do an overall recruitment 
of your students to come in and join and be a part of the, uh, a team. Now, we don't require students to do that. Uh, it is something they do, you know, they would like to do it, uh, and we try to work very hard to never make them feel pressured. But for the student leaders, what typically happens is I will do a um, kind of a teaching series on what does it mean to be a, a leader, what does it mean to be a servant, um, what does it mean to be in ministry here and now, uh, and you know, can you be in ministry and not be a pastor kind of thing. Just help them to see that. And then at the end of that series, uh, we will then uh, make the applications available. We'll explain what we're looking for, and uh, you'll have your students fill out the applications, turn them in, and, and even if they have led a ministry in the past, they still have to reapply every single year. We want to make sure they don't get complacent and comfortable. We want to make sure they still look at it as something that is a gift that they are getting to lead, and um, they uh, fill out the application and just you know jump right back in. Once the student leaders are picked, and I've already talked about this, we do the ministry fair, and that's the night for students to go around and sign up for the ministry teams. Now, the student leaders, one of their responsibilities is to stay in contact with your team uh, at least once a week, no, 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 you know, further apart than two weeks. They're constantly texting or they are emailing or calling their teams and, and staying in touch with them, you know, because relationship is key in all of this. If you have a leader that you've got a good relationship with, uh, you will, you know, basically work very hard to stay active and be a part of it. You're being made to feel special, so you tie more into it. So the overall recruiting basically takes place uh, during, we usually start doing it around, um, you know, May or so towards the end of the school year, and then go through the application process. Then we train in July our student leaders, and then we do the student ministry fair uh, usually about the middle to end of August each year. Give us a couple more examples, if you would, Tim, about the kind of ministries your students are doing right now. You mentioned one earlier in the last segment. Give us a, give us, give us a flavor of, of some of the other ministries that your students are actually leading. Okay. Well, uh, some of the other student teams that we have out there are, we have what we call youth deacons, and uh, that's a servant team. It's um, guys. We have, uh, uh, we have young ladies ministry team, which is our, our girls service team, and these guys work hand-in-hand together. I mean, all the time. Uh, so service projects, like we have a, uh, we're doing Christmas caroling in the nursing homes here in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. That's all set up by, that's actually being led by our young ladies ministry team on that one. Um, then we have our prayer team, and uh, this is uh, led by a young lady uh, named Meredith right now. This year she's done a great job as well. You can send her a message anytime, and she sends it out to her team, and they're praying over it. They meet on Wednesday nights before our youth services, and they spend time in prayer just praying over, you know, what's going to be taking place that night. We have something called the Connect Team, and it used to be called the Greeters Team, but now it's called Connect. This is a team that reaches out. If you uh, visit the youth ministry, uh, you'll get a card sent from us that comes from this team saying, hey, we're so glad you're here. If a new student walks in, these guys are trained and watching for any new faces to immediately go up and greet. If they're there by themselves, someone from this team will sit with that student for the night and make sure they feel accepted and, and comfortable. And um, they also, uh, this team also works on our social media stuff, making sure stuff is staying out there. We've got a, a discipleship team. This is uh, 
basically new Christians being discipled by our older students. And uh, it's a 13-week program they go through, and if they want to go further, we have another one they can continue on with. We've got, I talked about missions team earlier. Um, then we have our Wednesday night coordinated, uh, coordinating team. This is, our Wednesday night services are an hour and 45 minutes long, and it's everything with, we do usually a mixer game. We, got, we show videos. We have a worship band, and then I usually will teach at the end of that. These guys help make sure that everything is running that night, that if okay. water needs to be placed somewhere, they do it. Um, anyway, uh, but they, they uh, just make sure everything is in place. Uh, we make our own videos. Uh, advertising things, rule videos, funny videos. They'll go out and interview people on the street that will help set up a topic maybe that I'm talking on. Uh, we have an arts team, which is basically drama. It's what they mainly focus on right now. Audiovisual team runs all of our sound needs. If we do an outdoor game, they make sure that we have sound equipment out there. If we do a movie, they set up the projectors, the screens, and all that kind of stuff. They run all the AV stuff on Wednesday nights. Um, recreation team. We do a big event every summer that is 100% led by this team, by our student leaders. It's called Youth Week. And I sit down with them around February and say, okay, here's your budget. You have to hire your speaker with this. You have to hire your band with this. Uh, Your recreation stuff has to come out of this. And they plan the entire event. I go to work for them. And uh, the recreation team, we do, I mean, we do outlandish recreation stuff during Youth Week. But it's all student done. I mean, they'll come in and run their their ideas by me, and uh, you know, typically they'll hear "go for it" or "veto." You know, <laughs> yeah, our insurance won't cover that. So, but uh, let me let me ask you this: obviously, you've created a whole bunch of youth pastors around you, which is really what you want. You want people to be in ministry, not just hearing about it from you, which is what you want to equip people to do ministry. So that's that's just wonderful. But we've got just a couple minutes left. So I, I, I just okay. want to ask you to kind of give your parting shot to youth workers and or parents who are listening today. What do you what do you real what's the real takeaway you want them to get from this? Well, you know, to the youth guys, uh, youth workers, I would say, you know, remember what we're doing this for uh, and be focused. Uh, you know, you brought up Ephesians four earlier. That's you know the same passage for our entire church to equip the saints. We are there to equip them and make them ready, uh, and make sure we're doing you know the, the full picture. It's not just having ministry teams. It's making sure that we are teaching them, and uh-huh. that another thing is, I, I in my youth ministry, I tell them you know make sure they understand the whys, and that comes from the apologetic bent. Why do we do this? Uh, is there facts behind this? Uh, so be focused. Always keep that on the forefront uh, of what you're doing. Second thing is make sure you guard your heart. I mean, how many times oh, yeah. do you hear of, you know, failures, uh, of where someone made a poor choice, and it didn't just affect that youth minister or youth worker. It affected the entire church. Hey, hey, Tim, have you had, do you have any data on how well, and i only got 30 seconds here, okay. on how well your your people who've graduated and gone out and are adults now or gone to college, how well they've stayed with the faith. Do you have any way of knowing that? Yeah, we've actually started tracking that. I'm actually writing the next book, the partner book with this. We started researching that. Okay. And uh, right now what we see is students who led and led well or were active and were really tied into the ministry, we're seeing that about 88 to 90% of them leave and stay tied to the faith, they find a church home, and they find ministry to be involved in. 
Beautiful, beautiful. The book is Give Them the Keys. Tim Ramsey, you need to get this. 101 pages. You can do this, friends. And it's filled with these kinds of ideas. Tim, what's your website? Website, you can go to oneroadministries.org, or you can go to timramsey.com. Either one of those will take you to the main Timramsey.com or oneroadministries.org. One road, one spelled out, correct? Yes. Thanks, Tim. Great stuff, man. You're doing great work out there. Thanks so much. That's Tim Ramsey, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, if you're in Charleston, South Carolina today, Saturday, I'm there with Gary Habermas and you, Ross, the uh, Gilliard Performing Arts Center. It's all right there on our website. Check it out. I'd love to see you come by. And I'll see you also here next week at this particular station or on our podcast. I'm Frank Turek. See you next time, friends. God bless. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.